So full energy from bed right here Cause they're my enemies Subscribe and like, rate and review Your hosts of the day be Couple guests too We're gonna win a trophy when overdue Can we do the double make it deja vu It's a move London thing Third one is only on the wing Harry's one of our own nine and in He's only got one E but let's see the king And we got Delhi Ali that's talking With the show side, with the show side With the show side's what we sing With the show side, with the show side it's a new flood to me. Yo, 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 it's the fan base podcast from the fans to the fans, and we bring you that analytical, mind boggling, banter filled podcast. And it's episode, if I'm not mistaken, 72. I hope that's right. Quite not kill me if it's wrong. He told me not to do the numbering thing. Anyway, we keep it moving. I'll come back and check that in a minute. But we keep it moving. Quabner's still away handling business. So we have a friend, a new member of the team, Carl Hazley, Kwabner's friend and a new friend of the show. Welcome, Carl. How are you doing? I'm great. Really excited to be here. Uh, love Spurs. Sometimes hate Spurs, so really excited to get into it. Yeah, I think, I think we more time hate Spurs right now, yeah. but <laughs> hey, I know what you mean. The sentiment's right. So, 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 this is the Shelfside Podcast. As I said, Carl, you're new to the show, so welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, we're going to be rapid pace today. We're going to ask you some quick fire Spurs questions. Um, we're going to go into the game and all sorts and try and figure out what's happened this week. And yeah, we'll just have some bants and some fun and it's going to be good stuff. But we can't get going without shouting the international cities, the new international cities this week, as we like to do on this pod. We like to show love to those who follow from overseas. And I mean, we should really show love to the UK cities, but we love you as well. But we always just hit the international cities. You know how we do by now. So let's do it. Um, at this kind of time, I usually play a game with Kwabnath because he reckons he's travelled 12%, sorry, 12.5% of the world. His app told him so. So um, we kind of figure out where he's at and if he knows some of these cities. But I think some of these are very obvious, so I won't play that with you this week. But next time you're on car, be prepared. Your general knowledge and your geography may be tested. 12.5% sounds low, so I'm up for the challenge. Okay then, it's the second person in two weeks has thrown it down. So how much? How, what percentage of the world do you think you've travelled, Carl? I don't have an app for it, but I mean, are we doing per country or landmass? Because landmass, I think I've hit, I'd say, forty percent of the world. If we're okay. doing by individual countries, more than twelve and a half, less than twenty, I'd say. Okay, all right. But you actually sound. You know who you sounded like there. Sorry to cut you. You actually sounded like a chaser when you said it like that. You know. So, hey, uh, if you're here for the challenge, we're going to do this. We have got Jimmy, who reckons he can give Kwabna a run for his money. You already sound like you threw some shade on Kwabna just now. <laughs> Not going to lie. So let's do it. I'm excited. Okay, cool, cool. So we're going to shout Accra in Ghana, uh, New City this week. Shout out to you guys. Thank you for listening. Keep listening. Spread the word. Uh, who else we got this week? We have Charlotte. 
NC, and I'm assuming that's North Carolina in the States. Thank you for listening, guys. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And keep listening. Spread the word. And I think that is it um, for New Cities this week. I think we've had Victoria, Canada before. If not, shout to you guys. Um, Ada, Michigan, we always shout you. You know why. And, uh, yeah, that's it. So we're going to keep it moving. We're going to get into the rapid-fire questions for you, Carl. Um, Let's see how Spursy you are, because we're all a bit Spursy around here, as we wouldn't be supporting this up-and-down side that we do. So, here we go. You ready? Pressure's on. How long have you been supporting Spurs? 24 long years. I think I got into football around the age of eight. Okay. You're giving your age away there, you know? Some people are a bit coy with their age, but you've just given it away. Ah, it's all right. <laughs> when, when it comes to Spurs, everything's on the table. <laughs> that's a quarter of a century, so that's a long time. Uh, where do you stand? Levy in or out? In, I think. For all his shortcomings. Oh, controversial. For all his shortcomings, and there are plenty, he has done more for this club than anyone else probably could have. Uh, we've got the best stadium in the world, we've got the best training ground in the world, we've got the best centre forward in the world for now. Um, Levy in. We may revisit that at some point. Right. We may revisit that. I wasn't expecting that. That's thrown me. As you may or may not be able to tell, that has actually thrown me. Levy in. Yeah. There's not many of you left at the moment. Um, Nuno in or out? <sighs> it's tough. There's a new manager. I'm gonna, sorry, sorry, Carl. I'm just going to actually um, give a little bit of background to that question. It was Jose in and out, okay. um, but we can't do Jose. I'm putting Nuno in or out. I'm not advocating he should be get in the sack after seven Premier League games, but he's in there. Okay. So you can answer it how you please. Right. Yeah. <sighs> it's tough. Uh, fair to say he wasn't our first choice when we appointed him. I didn't want him, but he's who we've got, so let's give him a chance. Uh, so, out if we can get Poch back. How about that? Oh, Poch back? Yeah. He's not doing too well at um, PSG, you know? Well, exactly. As long as he keeps staying shaky there, they'll get rid of him before too long and we can have him back. Is he the manager to, to take us to the next level is the question, with the similar players there still? He's come, he's come the closest. Uh I just don't know who else. If you look out there, I don't know who else I trust to do it or to even have a decent shot. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, there's not many out there that, um, well, that we potentially can get. Uh, Conte, you can trust, but are you going to back him? Yeah. And the answer is no. So, okay, cool. Why word yes or no? No. And two simple reasons for that. One, I'm a season ticket holder. Where I sit, when people shout it, we just don't. And two, even simpler reason, I'm in a minority group in this country. I wouldn't want to, you know, if there was a team, an African-owned team or a black-owned team, I wouldn't want people to shout N-word army. So it, it just, there's just no, there's no way I can justify it. Yeah, when you bring the minority group element to it, it does divide it, yeah, and yeah, and yeah, I'm not an N-word person, so I get that argument. However, I struggle not to sing it, um, if I'm honest. Uh, where do you sit in the stadium? Uh, East and sort of second tier, I'm in sort of the premium seat section, 
Um, I was going to say, rich, rich people, rich, rich No, people no, seats, well, yeah. it, was the, it was the only way I could get a ticket in the new stadium because all the regular tickets were, would have gone to old White Hart Lane ticket holders. Yeah. So there wasn't, yeah. there wasn't much going and I just took what I could get. Okay, good. I'm, I'm, I may have to um, join you one, one day up yeah. there because, yeah, East Stand, I loved a bit of the East Stand over the years. Um, I haven't actually sat in an East Stand in the new stadium, or have I? It's done west, south and north. But we keep it moving, we keep it moving. Uh, Favourite Spurs player of all time? My answer's a little bit boring here. So I used to play in goal. Um, I got into football, watching goalkeepers, learning how to be great. Mm. And, you know, Hugo's amazing. But prior to Hugo, my best, my, my favourite player was Paul Robinson. And so I've just got to stick with him. Carl, I'm going to tell you you're right. That is boring. That is bloody... <laughs> Boring. Paul Robinson was only good for a season as well, wasn't he? He was good for like five years, and then he he had one missed kick in an England shirt, and his entire career came tumbling down. Yeah, yeah, he did. He, I thought he was pretty good. Um, to be fair, obviously scored that goal against Watford, yeah. but he was pretty consistent. England number one, and we got him on the rise from Leeds. But then his his fall, his demise was rapid. That's um, very true. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Your favourite player is your favourite player. Your favourite Spurs team. So this is a tough one. Obviously, there's the team that got to the Champions League final. That game in Ajax. Like, never forget that. And then there's a team that pushed for the Premiership. The year Leicester won it. Also amazing. But I'm going to controversially pick a team a couple of years prior. I uh, say, it didn't sound like you were going for either of those two. No. So do you remember the team where we had, uh, we had Aaron Lennon on the right? We had... Keen and Defoe up front. Yeah. We had Zakora in the middle. Uh, okay. <laughs> I think we possibly had King and Dawson for a period, but it was probably after King left uh, or you know retired. So it was like yeah. Dawson and Kabul, that sort of phase. Okay. And the so reason- that was beat pre. No, what was that? So that was Parry post Champions League run 2013 2014 before yeah. Poch, was that? Before Poch, before Poch, but I think I think we might have had Modric as well. So yeah, that free. So that was the Wigan nine like, one time. That yeah, was, around it? then, around then. Yeah, and yeah, you know, I loved that team on FIFA. Um, I you know everyone picks Barcelona, Real, etc. Man United on FIFA. I would always pick Spurs, and I would absolutely destroy people with that team because no one expected okay. it. No one knew what we were good at, but I did. Yeah. Okay, good man, good man. Repping on the FIFA level with the Spurs, Defoe, Keane and Aaron Lennon. Love it, love it. Okay, give me a player we were linked with that you wish we had signed. And I know we've been linked with (laughs) a million players every week, but we're talking about solid link here. I've reported afterwards that this player was close to signing or didn't sign for this reason. Not a Daily Mirror or Daily Mail linked with... um, Cristiano Ronaldo in yeah. his prime type link. Yeah. yeah, I think I had two, if I can be cheeky. So the obvious one, it's got to be Bruno Fernandes. Right? We were in for him, said mm-hmm. no, went for Lo Celso. What an absolute car crash that's been. Uh, and then the other Agreed. is Dybala, two, two and a half years ago. If we, can, if we were able to sort out the image rights, he'd have come. That would have been perfect. Um, Kane would have had some support. But obviously, Dybala would have played alongside Kane. If you picture a front three of Son, Kane, and Dybala, yeah, 
Mourinho probably would have won a trophy. Yeah, that would have been a thing dreams are made of. Kane would have been actually playing a nine in Dybala more than ten. Yeah. Um, and feeding both him and Son, uh, running behind. Uh, yeah, clever runs. That sweet left foot of Dybala. Yeah. Um, it would have been a thing of beauty. Didn't happen. Yeah. Um, Bruno Fernandes always hurts. Lo Celso hasn't found his level. Hasn't really done what he's supposed to have done. Um, hasn't done what he said on the tin yet. I'm not sure if he'll ever get there. I have my question marks. I was actually a fan of Lo Celso when he was at PSG and at Betis. Didn't see a lot of him because obviously the Spanish football rights had moved um, from Sky by then and yeah. but I did see enough to make me think he could do justice but hasn't really done it and he's a bit of a um, bit of a drama queen by all accounts so let's see what happens with him okay favourite sick note player and as you haven't heard this show often there is a player that is a fan favourite that Quabner has chosen as his sick note player. I'll let you see if you can guess that. But who is your favourite sick note player of all I mean, time? If he hasn't said Ledley King, he needs his head shaking. Uh, yeah, but Ledley... Yeah, no one said Ledley, actually. He, he wasn't Ledley. What? Le- Ledley was the best... He, what, he doesn't train. He shows up, pulls up trees, goes back, puts his ice on, puts ice on his knee, does it again, week in, week out. It's got to be Ledley. And you know, that's, that's a very good shout, actually. I can't believe no one said Ledley. I think the only reason people haven't said Ledley is maybe because we always knew he had the chronic knee issues. Yeah. So it wasn't a thing where he um, was out for four months. Well, it was, but it wasn't like he's out for four months with a different injury or out for four months. It was the same injury gotcha. and we were managing it, if that makes sense. So I think that was why... Gotcha. I haven't said Ledley. He was one of my favourite players, and no one else said Ledley when we've asked that question. But it's a fair shout. So did Quabenin say Coco Lamella? Um, who else have we got here? What else have we got for you? Uh, best Spurs memory? Uh, Ajax semi-final, Champions League. Got to be in it. Yeah, I, I still watch those clips. I still watch the highlights. It's yeah. I mean, it's the best BT game. Sport, yeah. nine minute. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's also the best game Lucas has ever had in a Spurs shirt. So. And what an amazing game that was for him. Yeah. And then to be dropped for the final, sacrilegious, sorry. Yeah. I, I shouldn't, but I will every time it's yeah. brought up. Poch wasn't perfect. Uh, <laughs> yeah, true. Most painful transfer, not the yes word. So most, most painful transfer out of Spurs. It's not Bale. Um, I think it's it's not even Modric because I think those were nailed on for a while. I think, for me, it's probably Dimitar Berbatov to United mm-hmm. because that was a period where you know we were once again sort of in the ascendancy. And granted, we weren't a top six; we were arguably we we're probably a top ten at best sort of team. But when we lost Berbatov, it was like no, same old Spurs. We're going to get rid of our stars, put a kid in, see what happens. As long as we, you know, as long as we make money, it's all good. Um, that one hurt. That was tough to take. And that one, 
just to add to that one, the reason that was difficult, especially for me, is because it was done. Levy was more about the money than the football. And I know he's typically more about the f- money than the football, but he seems to have learned from that transfer because that transfer really hurt us because not only did we lose a world-class striker, one who'd given us 20-odd goals a season and had a great partnership with Robbie King, we lost somebody on transfer deadline day. We maximised the margin of profit on him but failed to get anybody in return in and we had to rely on a young unproven Fraser Campbell who is he still playing football now I don't know but didn't reach any other height after that Man United Spurs loan that was it for him yeah so that was poor judgment yeah and not great football business at all yeah you're right he has learned from that I think Look, he's he's still a beast to do business with, is Levy, but and he still puts the money first and he can that's his job to be fair. But I think he now doesn't put the money you know, he won't accept money if it's gonna cost us on the pitch. Um which is why I think he held out so much for Harry Kane, because hundred and fifty you make a profit and you get a replacement, a quality replacement for hundred and twenty, if that's what it costs. But at 120, you just about cover your cost. And whoever you bring in, you've got to pay them more than you're paying Harry. So it, it's, it's tricky. It is tricky. And you are definitely a Levy believer if you think he's going to spend 120 million on one player. Even if he sells <laughs> Harry Kane for 150 million. So um, you are showing good form and true to your word. Okay, cool. I mean, I think you're very Spursy. I think you're slightly controversial. You, you go against the grain, which I like. Um, so that means your thought process is that of your own and not of the mainstream media, which we like. So let's go on to the football, shall we? Uh, how was the game won on a Sunday? Uh, so I've seen people saying it was a great Tottenham performance. I'm not convinced. We won the game. And we made a very good Aston Villa team look kind of pedestrian at times. But I think it was it was what we needed and what we lacked last season coming through this, which is two or three players grabbing the game by the scruff of the neck and saying, I am going to win this game for us. I am going to make the difference here. And I think they, you know, they carried the team. Um, and then they bailed us out once we got pegged back. So I just think it was it was grit, it was determination, it was passion, and frankly, I hadn't seen that for quite a while. So it was, it's encouraging. Yeah, we definitely needed a response after the um, last three league matches. Um, actually, three London derbies, obviously against two of our bitter rivals, conceding yeah. nine goals, scoring one. If we couldn't get a result at home to even a good Villa. Um, yeah, you might as well call it a wrap for the season and watch the relegation dogfight that would have um, commenced. Now, I'm with you. I don't think it was a great performance. Certainly the first 15 minutes for me were nervy. We couldn't string two passes together. Um, and at times we looked like we have never played together. Yep. So obviously Kane and Son have got their understanding. That's fine. But full-backs players ahead of them, uh, midfield. The midfield actually has been very poor. The midfield was poor in this game. Even though we 
managed to win, even though we had good moments. I felt overall, in terms of accurate passing, uh, the midfield lacked. The number of times, I'm a dumb believer, right? Let's just put it out there. But the number of times Dombele gave the ball away and just fl- flatly just walked around the pitch. Yeah. He didn't look on it. I think he was tired. He did two things for me throughout the whole time. He was on 78 minutes or whatever it was. And the guy shouldn't have been playing if he's knackered. Uh, who else? Lucas. I love Lucas. He's the X Factor. But he gave the ball away. And he, he does give the ball away because yeah. he does try. But this was just giving the ball away without just not taking care of the ball as opposed to trying things and it not coming off. Um, he would do the hard work and just gave it away. And then Hoybier looks like a deer in headlights a lot of the time once he's broken free of the DM position. And he makes great runs and stuff. And his passing can be good, but it's not consistently good enough. And Skip is safe in his passing. So I felt disappointed a lot of the time with the ball progression on Sunday. but. There was a lot of character shown, and we did eke out the win. And Hoiberg did score a, a really good goal, so yeah. can't be too harsh on him. I thought, I thought we were lucky to get the goal. I think Hoiberg being a deer in headlights, I don't think that's his fault. I think if you look at him for Denmark when he breaks through, there are balls on, there are things he can do. But I think Spurs are getting so used to not having a midfield, basically, that you're not really seeing the runs when someone gets through, mm-hmm. more often than not, they, they pass it sideways or they knock it back because no one's made a run because, frankly, no one's expecting anyone to get through. No one's expecting anyone to be looking forward, which is why you see Harry Kane dropping deep so much because he's got to come back, create something, hope the ball doesn't go backwards before he can get himself back up the pitch. And with the way we started the game, you know, you must have seen it as well. We've started games like that multiple times and half an hour away and we go one nil down 70th minute we turn up we're like okay let's try and get a, let's try and get a point out of this yeah um, and I've seen it too too many times I just I thought that's what we were in for to be honest um, yeah I thought yeah I thought we were very lucky yeah if if Villa score an early goal we don't know what would happen but I would imagine had they scored early the crowd would have got on Nuno's back it would have been here we go again fourth defeat in a row um, Villa would have probably been up for it. Um, I've read some of the Villa fan base stating that their three-five-two formation is too defensive, doesn't give them enough attacking options, and I did feel that at times. Yeah, um, they did do a lot of long throws. If you got a throw like Matty Cash, you probably use it. Um, free kicks, they looked like they would cause a threat. Free kicks and corners, but again, well, I think we're fortunate that they didn't have Buendia on from the start. Um, I like McGinn, uh, but I don't think him in that quiet position where in a free with, was it Louise and the kid, the kid, the kid, what was his name? It will come back to me. I blacked um, him as well. Yeah, what is his name? He got to the side, didn't he? Yes. Oh, it's an English sounding name as well. I can't even think. But those three are not the most creative. McGinn's more of a runner, gets in behind, very busy. So, And their full-backs are decent going forward, cross the ball, but they're not going to do too many step-overs, cut inside, etc., etc. So I felt comfortable. I felt comfortable. And I felt comfortable especially because um, Mings 
was on the left-hand side of the three and not in the centre. Now, who were you mentioned a few players showing up? Who were your standout performers for the game? Obviously, there's one, but I mean, give it to me. So for me, it was it was Sonny, head and shoulders. He decided we're going to win this game. Took it upon himself. Um, I did rate Hoiberg. I thought he, he broke things up well. He looked he looked forward with the ball. Granted, stuff didn't come off. Um, I don't entirely blame him for that. And then Romero, for me, apart from the second goal, oh sorry, apart from Aston Villa's first goal, which was pretty much his fault, he looked really up for it. He nothing beat him in the air. Uh, he put some good tackles in. And, you know, across that's basically a defender, a midfielder and a striker deciding we're going to win this game and pulling it out of the bag somehow. And I don't think we've had that a lot of the time. I think, you know, even Harry Kane, good performance, didn't do anything wrong, but he didn't look... He did do something wrong. He didn't bloody score. He's yeah, a striker. He had a couple of chances, to be fair. Um, but, yeah. yeah, he didn't look as hungry as... Sonny, he didn't look as hungry as Hoybia, which for me is a worry. Yeah, so I, I agree. As much as I, I mentioned Hoybia being there in the headlights, that's in the more advanced positions. Yeah. Now, um, I, I think Hoybia is brilliant for us. I, I questioned whether him and Skip should occupy the same space in midfield, but he obviously tries to do the eight role that he has done so well for Denmark. Um, I guess with Delaney playing at the back um, or the last man in midfield um, Skip does well to break play up Skip yeah. is limited he does have a bit of passing range but he's not going to drive at players he's not going to get forward he's not going to turn on the box he's not going to find the bottom corner of the top end like I accept that and it made me question with Hoybier if he, if he can't do a bit more then how is it going to be but then if you play I guess, not a free role, but give Don Bello or a Celso or even maybe a Gill, a Brian Gill um, in the future, that kind of freedom, then maybe it pay div- pays dividends. But certainly Son was sensational. Yeah. I felt Son was back to being Son. And what I mean by Son being back to being Son is not just playing as a nine, not just playing off of Kane. It was actually taking the ball by the horns, taking ownership and getting the ball on the left and saying, Do you know what? I'm going to turn my man. I'm going to beat my man. I'm going to drive into the space. Right? I'm going to just do what it takes, like you say, to win this game. I'm going to give him a run. And I think too often when Son is just up there, he's a great finisher, right? Left or right foot. We know this. But when he's just up there, I think we lose a lot from him. Like even if he's scoring goals, and, and and it sounds a bit odd, but if you got not disrespectful to Vardy, but I say Vardy because he's a nine who always plays on the shoulder and is very quick, right? Yeah. But I'm not saying he's just basic. But if you get a number nine who plays off the shoulder of Kane, then fine, and that's all you want them to do running behind, great. But when you've got somebody who can actually run the full length of the field and take on six or seven players and score a goal like he did against Burnley, I'm not saying he's going to do that every week, but we've seen him do it, or similar goals, take on three or four players and score, or pull a shot out from 30 yards and score, actually being able to create stuff for the team when the ball is really precious and not getting to the forward line, right? So when he's just stuck up there and we need some magic... Him being stuck on the nine 
is not helping the team. So when he can drop back like he did, do a quick turn on the edge of the box or in midfield to open up the space and then drive into that space that he's created, that's what we need. And he did it exceptionally well um, on Sunday. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. And I think ultimately it's it's Nuno learning, right? Because you could say up until today, obviously excluding the games that Kane hasn't played in, where Son's played, he's played Kane and Son. Basically, he's tried to recreate Mourinho's playbook for counter-attacking football, which is Kane in the hole, over the top or through ball, Son, knock it, knock it in. And, um We've had countless other problems, so this has never really come up, I guess. It's never really been a priority, but today he's sort of... It's almost like he said, go and play football. You know this shape better than me. Um, Mm -hmm. Go and do what you guys are good at, and we'll figure it out as we go. It feels like he's tried to manage them a bit less and let them, you know, play more freely. Yeah, and I think you can do that certainly with Kane and Son. Uh, Kane, though... (sighs) I don't think managers should be scared to tell him what they want as well because Kane's current touch map and position map, he's almost playing the inside left. Now, I know he doesn't, he's not a stranger to inside left because he actually, his emergence, his come up was pretty much from the inside left position where he would cut in and get those shots off yeah. uh, infam- infamously against Chelsea in that 5 3 game. Now, I actually want to see more of that from Kane. However, I need a more mobile Kane. I don't need him to cheat and just play that role, right? He he needs to run in behind like he did in the last moments of the game. He needs to be, offer that threat as an alternative to Son because then you've got two things to think about rather than just one. Yeah. Um, and you can't have both players coming from the left, so mix it up. But yeah, I think you're right. We did look a bit more fluid in terms of having an idea of what we needed to do in order to score goals. We did create moments and opportunities in that game more so than we have done um, in the past few games and even actually all season really because we haven't really created much we haven't scored many goals now I was thinking is it because Villa were poor and they may have been poor but they certainly have got a way of playing they certainly Mings is no mug although he's not great on the ball Courtney House did well um, but Conser is a top for me a top young defender and he doesn't get ripped apart too often. And I thought Son showed him a clean pair of heels a couple of times. So that was really good. And you mentioned Romero. Now, Cutty, I love the fact he's composed on the ball. I love the fact that he under- seems to understand and he's a front foot defender and he doesn't let you have any time on the ball. Um and I just hope he works on the rashness. Um, that has always been a criticism of him in his time in um, Italy. Uh, he's been sent off a couple of times. And uh, you can see why. Yeah. Even after he did that tackle, he went into another tackle. And I was like, whoa there, Tiger. <laughs> we had Teganga sent off in the Palace game. We know how that turned out. Stay in your feet now. And he did after that, to be fair. But his aggressiveness actually seems to work well with Dyer because Dyer isn't aggressive in the tackle. He's, he's not a front foot defender. He doesn't have the pace to be a sweeper defender, but he tries to read the game well, but he doesn't read the game, Dyer. Yeah. yeah. And now 
I don't want to be too critical of Dyer. I've been critical of Dyer in the past. But Dyer does offer something. I can't quite put my finger on what it is. But in a game where you don't necessarily have top strikers, he can do a job and he looks composed enough. But when I analyse the goal that we conceded, um, Dyer lost Watkins and he didn't know where he was. And too often, too often, Dyer has let the ball run across the face of the goal without clearing it. Sticking a foot out. I know nobody wants to score on goals. But if you know where the danger is, then you know all you need to do is get rid of the ball. And you're not going to shank it nine times out of ten. You can even side foot it out if you want to get a bigger surface on it. But he let Watkins run in behind. It was the same when we conceded against Liverpool when Firmino scored that goal. Uh, um, and a countless other Sheffield United in the 3-1 debacle away at Bramall Lane. There, there were countless times. And... It makes me question and wonder what is the best centre-back pairing that we have. If Cutty Romero looks like a, a, a nailed-on starter, is that in replace of, replacement of Davison Sanchez? Should Davison Sanchez get a chance alongside him? I know they played together against Wolves. Should it be Dyer? Should it be Rodon? Tanganga? Davies? What do you think our best centre-back pairing is? So... I have pretty strong opinions on this, but it doesn't mean I'm right. I think that Romero starts, he's nailed on for me. Uh, you don't buy the best defender in Serie A last season and not start him. Like, screw all of this, time to adjust. He's 23, he'll figure it out. It's football, it's not rocket science. So he starts. With Diet or Sanchez, pick your brand of mistake, right? <laughs> <laughs> Dyer would do something positional, or like you said, he'll let the ball run across, or he'll, he'll lose his man. He will make a mistake. Question is whether it will cost you a goal. Whether if Hugo can bail him out, we're fine. If Cutty can bail him out, we're fine. With Sanchez, he'll go and fall over somewhere. <laughs> where There's no one near him. He'll just fall over. Um, or he'll make a rash challenge and give away a penalty. Harder for Hugo to bail him out of that. So I can kind of see why Nuno's gone with Dyer or perhaps going to go with Dyer, because Dyer's at least loud. If, you've got, if you're Romero and you've got Hoiberg in front of you and Dyer on your left, and these guys are shouting, you're going to pick stuff up quickly. You're going to, you know, you're going to settle in more quickly. I think Rodon is probably actually the better defender of Dyer, Sanchez, and himself. Um, you know, he plays for Wales. He doesn't screw up. Uh, for us, he's not really made any, any mistakes, to be, to be fair. But he's young, he's relatively inexperienced, so he is going to make mistakes. But frankly, are they going to be any worse than Dyer or Sanchez's? Probably not. So I would put him in. Um, I just I don't see why not. Tanganga, for me, doesn't, just doesn't cut it as a, as a centre-back. We haven't seen him there. But from what I've seen of him at right back, I think he's a very good right back. I think he's done. Yeah, he's he's a very good right back. He does a good job there. He's not super attacking, but I think that's fine. Um, and he is also quite rash. So if you've got Romero being rash and you've got Tanganga being rash, that's two yellow cards a game, probably a red every other game, and that's not a position you want to be in. I also think if you put Tanganga at right back whether or not Royal's playing, it means you can go Tanganga on one side, Reguillon on the other, and when Reguillon bombs forward, you drop into a three. Or you play Davis on the left, 
uh, Royal on the right, when Royal bombs forward, Davis taps into a three. So you want to play a three and to utilise what Romero has done well? Yeah, I think so. But I think tuck into a three when we have the ball. Because I won't have the ball, so you're saying a lopsided fullback coming in, tucking in. Exactly, because what what we know so far is we can't play we can't play like Man City where we've got two centre backs and everyone else up the pitch because we'll get destroyed. We yeah. we can't play with two centre backs and a single defensive midfielder. When Hoiberg's on his own in the middle, we get destroyed. So you probably need either three at the back and a Hoiberg or a skip to sit there sit there in the holding position or you play two at the back two in front and you've got that defensive box of Hoiberg, skip and two centre backs so it's just about having the options I think but we need four players back there okay so I'm going to okay I'm going to say this and then I'm going to press you because you didn't give me your pairing your two Um, I I don't think three at the back is seasonal. I think three at the back has to be what you do, right? Because three at the back is actually great if you know what you're doing and know how to play it. And that involves not just the three, it involves the whole team, the full backs and the entire midfield to utilise it to its effect. Chelsea are the best exponents of it in the Premier League. Sheffield United did it well with their um, underlapping and overlapping centre-backs. But when we do it, we never seem to be, apart from the Dortmund game with Vertonghen as left-back, we very rarely, left wing-back, we very rarely seem to dominate when we play three at the back. Now, So... Where I disagree with you, I think if, mm-hmm. if you're playing three, if you're playing three at the back with a lopsided wing back, no, that's different. That's, that's different. That's certainly different. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that. But what Poch used to do, and I think in his second season, is he'd have Toby and Yan centre back. He'd have Dyer and Dembele in the middle, in front of them, and when we had the ball. Dyer would drop into a back He dropped three. back straight line, spread the full-back, exactly. or the centre-backs so who both played full-back. And then and Walker and three. Rose go bomb up the sides. And I'm 100% in agreement with that. But again, look at that. Look at what you've said, yeah? Look at what you've used. You've used a very specific set of circumstances. Yeah. You've used two centre-backs who both accustomed to playing full-back for their national side and played at club football. So Dyer as a DM who made the easiest run backwards, right? Straight yeah. line backwards to split the two and then it became a three and you had two of the best attacking fullbacks in the world and then you had a beast of a midfielder in Dembele who you needed two players to push him off the ball yeah. so that combination of factors meant that when we were out of pos- oh, in possession we were able to go to that three as you suggested and it worked yeah fast forward to 2021 when there is no Moose, yeah. there is no Yan, there is no Toby, we don't have the two of the best fullbacks in Europe, I think it's dangerous to start with a 3-5-2. And I'm not saying we shouldn't aim to have a lopsided three. I think with the likes of a Tanganga playing, you could do that. Mm. You could do that. I just don't know who's going to bomb up on the right-hand side. Maybe it's Lucas. Yeah. But Or you play Emerson Royal further up the pitch. And Emerson had a really good game, I felt. I yeah. think it's his best game 
for us. It was probably an easy game for him because he didn't have a left-sided, attack-minded player he, who he had to do battle with throughout the whole game. Yeah. I mean, it's not welcome to the Premier League. Here's Wilfred Zaha, is it? <laughs> it's um, Here's um, Matthew, is it Taggart, um, coming forward, who, like I say, is not going to do a step over. He's not a Van Arnholt or even a Regulon or a Robertson that you really, really have to worry about. Yeah. So it's no surprise that he looked better. He got walloped by him and then walloped him back twice, which I thought was interesting. Um, so, yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. But give me your two... Your centre back pairing, which two? So it's obviously Cutty Romero, and sounds like it's either going to be Dyer Rodon, and I yeah. think you're, you're you're veering towards Rodon. I, but I, you I, tell me. I, I really want it to be Rodon, but if I'm if I'm Nuno, I'm just not taking the risk because my job is literally on the line every game between now and Christmas. So it's got to be Romero and Dyer. Okay, and and I hear you. I hear you because. There, there are mistakes in all of the centre-backs there. Um, I just don't see Dyer being the future. Yeah. Um, Rodon, I thought... I've seen promising Rodon. Again, I'm not entirely comfortable with Tanganga at centre-back from what I've seen. Um, maybe he grows in there. He hasn't often played there, to be fair to him. Um, the one game he did, he didn't do so well, clearly. But... I think it's too early to judge him in that position. I think I can judge Dyer yeah. um, in that position for sure. I think we can judge Davison Sanchez. But with Davison, one thing I will say is I think he's just trying too hard half the time. Yeah. I honestly think he's just trying too hard. And I think, I don't know if someone needs to give him some reassurance and say, listen, you're going to play the first 15 games alongside Cutty or something like that. Mm. But he just seems to fall in over. It's because he's trying too hard. He's trying to win the ball too much. He's trying to make sure he does this at the other. He'll give away a penalty against Arsenal when it wasn't a penalty. But some of it is concentration. Some of it is trying too hard. But yeah, maybe he's had enough time. I don't know. But I'm with you. It's Romero and <sighs> reluctantly die for the next game. Let's just say that. Yeah, I don't know about for the right. season. Yeah. But do you know... One thing I did think about on Sunday was that we could actually field a, a back four all with the letter R. I don't know if it means anything, but we could have Royale, Romero, um, who's the other R? Rodon, Rodon. And, Re- Rodon. and Region. Yeah. That's... I, I don't know what to do with that information. <laughs> there's, nothing, there's nothing you can do with that information. You yeah. can't even make an acronym. It's just R. Yeah. But um, it could be Rolls-Royce, Rolls-Royce, Rolls-Royce. I know. Very true. Right. Very true. Or Rolls Royce, Rolls Royce, like four by four Rolls Royce. I don't know. Have they done a four by four Rolls Royce? Lambo have. Bentley um, have. If they haven't, they probably will soon. Yeah, and we we've got four players that can fit into that four by four Rolls Royce. That's what you can do with that information. Okay, I like it. <laughs> yeah, ran, random thought. Whilst um, I think somebody was injured on Sunday, but um, <laughs> we keep it moving. Is this our best um, X one? Uh, do you think? Do you know? It is, but it's not the one I want to see. Oh, explain. So, I'm uncomfortable with having two marauding fullbacks when we're not entirely sure about that defensive block, right? Whether it's Romero, Dyer, Skip, and Hoiberg or something else. And so, I prefer to have one side of that defense a bit more defensive, whether that's Tanganga 
on the right or Davis on the left. That's one. The second thing for me is... Sorry, did you just say Davis on the left? Did you just say Davis on the left? I don't know what everyone's problem with him. Is <laughs> he's, I think he's a very solid defender. I think he's a 6 out of 10 most weeks. So he's Mr. Reliable, Mr. Dependable. I take a 6 out... Have you seen this side? I take a 6 out of 10 from anyone most weeks this season. <laughs> there is that. But maybe he turns into a 4 out of 10 this season. But one thing I did criticise Davies about often was his pass inside when he wanted to push on and get down the line, maybe play a two. And that pass very seldom would actually come off. He would always pass it to another player. But I can't even criticise him too much because bloody Regulon does the same damn thing every week. Yeah, and he's a worse defender. He That he is. That he definitely is. He's but, for, for me, he's still living off. There was a cross early last season. Uh, Chelsea? Uh, no, I don't think it was Chelsea. We were drawing one all. And he, oh, Kane headed it. It was Brighton. Was it Brighton? No, it was Bale onto Bale's head against Brighton. To Bale's head. Yeah, Bale's yeah. head against Brighton. Yeah. And it was like, oh, the Real Madrid connection's coming through. And since that's the, that's the best game I've seen from him. Yeah, he did taper off. He did taper off again, hard fall last season. But I I still have I don't know because against Chelsea. I don't know what he was trying when he was clean through. And he just, two more touches, and then he just exactly. blasted it. And Kepa has no chance. But yeah. Darren Headlights there, and he's trying to look for a pass that was never there behind Rudiger to play in the Celsa. Yeah, yeah, so I don't know. I just think I've been scarred by the Davies. Uh, tries well, great clubman. Um, crossing wasn't, it's never been as good as it was at Swansea for us. Never been as good. Mm. Um, and that pass inside always being lost. And then with Davies as well, I don't think he wins enough of his individual battles. And that's the okay. problem for me. Yeah. Um, so, whereas at least I've seen Regulon handle Traore on one, one on one. Yeah. Because um, obviously the pace. Um, so, yeah, I that's mean. That's fair. That's fair. But um, yeah, so. So, going, you were saying. Then I, I want Delhi Ali in this team. Um, Where do you want Delhi? I mean, if I if I had my pick, he'd play behind Kane, like in sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. You know, he'd do his thing, shadow striker. Yeah, but we we really need to again. We're Delhi fans in this pod, but we really need to assess what Delhi is. Why Delhi isn't the same Delhi, right? A lot of people put the, that down to Delhi just falling off, and I know he's still a party boy, very much still is a party boy. Um, however, Delhi isn't the player everybody thinks he is. He wasn't the player everybody thought he was um, in the 16 17 season. He scored nearly, what was it, 20 goals in that season, um, and he was great. And he produces moments of magic, Crystal Palace goals, etc. Moment against Man United two seasons ago. And fantastic. But Delhi plays well with really good players in a really good system. That's what Delhi is. And that's what Delhi does. Delhi is a bit of enigma, uh, an enigma. Because when you really analyse his best seasons, he was actually able to utilise space not be tracked, get in behind and have great players in the likes of Ericsson, Son and Kane find him and find his runs and that Toby Dyack, right? Yeah. People so, have found him out a bit more. 
and we don't have those great players. So no, but we have Romero, and he he can put a diagonal yes. through. Yeah. We've still got Son, we've still got Kane, and if Dombele pulls his finger out, we might actually have a decent playmaker one day. Mm-hmm. But I guess the reason I say Delhi needs to be in this team is yeah, he can do a box to box in a three four in a four three three, and that seems he seems perfectly fine at that, apart from Arsenal. But we need goals, right? We've lost Vinicius, we lost Bale. That's twenty plus goals we've lost from this team. And yep. we have you know we haven't replaced them. Lucas, yeah, he'll do he'll do something fantastic, but then do nothing for five games in a row. Dombele is Dombele, the Celso hasn't brought his boots to England. <laughs> and you know, Dane Scarlett's a kid, so <laughs> he's got his A levels in the morning. So what's yeah, we need goals and Delhi has scored. Emma Radakan who won the US Open just after passing her A levels, yeah. Age is nothing but a number. Leah said that. But okay. I hear you. I get your point. And goals are measured in numbers, so uh, Dane Scarlett should pay <laughs> attention to that too. But, you know, De- Delhi scored, what was it? He, he scored 50 Premier League goals faster than Lampard, faster than Scholes, faster than Gerrard. He's, yeah, he can score goals in the Premier League. And if you've got to adjust the system to play to his strengths, then adjust the system. This is about getting goals. That's what you do to win football matches. And if you're not playing to your goal-scoring abilities, then you're just hanging on and hoping. And frankly, we still don't have a defence that allows us to hang on and hope. We have to score. Yeah, and that's a very good point. I mean, you make very valid points. One of the biggest points there you made is based around the goals in the team. right? Between Kane, Son and Bell last season, we outscored Liverpool. One of us highest scoring seasons in a long while f- exactly. based on three players. And we've lost a large element of that in Bell. Um, say what you like. He scored a lot of goals for us last season. Exactly. Um, and Kane hasn't been scoring. So in the Premier League, that is. So it's no wonder we've got a negative four goal difference but sit eighth, which is frankly embarrassing. But it's a valid point. I'm going to ask you a question, though, on the back of that. On the back of your statement and your um, protest for Delhi in the side, who would you rather, Son or Delhi? Son, undroppable. Right, and the reason I asked that question because I knew you were going to say Son, and it's the right answer, and I think every Spurs fan would agree with you. I was going to say ninety nine point nine percent, but I think every Spurs fan, even the young ladies that fancy Delhi, will say Son, and. There's been some analysis done on that, on the fact that Son's emergence from not just being a left winger into more of a central player. And again, I looked at his touch map at the weekend and I thought, watching the game, he hugged the left more. But he actually was the furthest forward and average touch map um, was central. Um, And my point there is, Son's best at when he can start wide, play some minutes wide, but ultimately ends up coming in the middle. And if you then just say you're staying wide, which he will have great moments, he will definitely have great moments, um, as I mentioned earlier, it means that Delhi is clogging up that space. Yeah. Right? And I think that's half the problem. And I think, actually, Poch picked up on this because you had... Ericsson on one side, not playing there, actually drifting in the middle. You then had Son 
coming in the middle. And if you remember, Poch at times played Delhi in a free or a bit deeper on occasion because it was getting a bit too cluttered there yeah. with players playing from the left and central and Delhi was one of those. So maybe it's Nuno's job to find the answer. Maybe it's his job to find I mean Delhi is there's a player in there. We know there's a player in there. I think it's more tactical um shape that will get the best out of him, not him changing positions. Um he has to do more, definitely he has to do more. But I think it's more systematical that and tactical that will get the best out of him. And mm. I, Nuno hasn't shown me many tactics. So I still don't think we have a style of play. Um, we he has not. been, for, yeah, he's been very much Mourinho-like. But as Kwabner will say, we should smile. We won. It was okay. We sit eighth. We have Newcastle away. Who haven't won a game? They do have Saint Maximan, who's going to cause us a problem or two, but it's a dare I say a winnable game. Had we not dropped the game to Palace, just forget Arsenal and Chelsea. Had we not dropped the game to Palace, we would be sitting in the top four right now. So, yeah, there is still hope, even though we're not playing well. So if we can get these points, accumulate these victories and points when we're not playing well, then there's hope, right? There is hope, but I'm also worried because so far it seems like Nuno needs a big run-up to get his guys playing well. And what I mean by that is we start the season with three wins, just about. We had pre-season, granted not everyone was there for pre-season, but we had a pre-season. We then go off on the international break, come back, get battered left, right and centre for three Premier League games on the trot. Finally, we pull something out of the bag against Villa. Another international break. Now we come back, we've got Newcastle. They, they're probably going to be laughing. They'll be, we want Tottenham after a break at home. They'll probably pull something out of the bag. I, th- I don't think we're at home until the end of October where we face United. And if we've been battered again, left, right and centre in the league, we'll probably pull something out of the bag against United because Nuno would have had some time to you know, get these guys playing the right tune. But it's, it's kind of too little too late. If we lose against Newcastle, if we lose against West Ham, trust Burnley to knock us out of the EFL Cup, even though that should basically be a bye. <laughs> like, it, it's... And it's anyone's guess what happens against United. And then, you know, then you're in November and what are we really playing for? I, I, I hear you. I think we needed the momentum. Newcastle next week or midweek would have been really great. Yeah. Uh, Kane would have finally found his scoring boots but then hey maybe Kane Kane's not really although he's missed a lot of chances for England actually he still scored for England uh, maybe gets a couple of goals for England and then brings that back to the Newcastle game um, this is eternal optimist here you say that he scored a hat-trick on Thursday against uh, very Mo- true Mora was it Nora or Mora I'm not quite yeah, sure Ennis, Ennis Mora Ennis Mora and then he came yeah. he came on Sunday and did yeah, not very much at all. Yeah, very, very true. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that in, scraps. In his defence, in his defence, if you go back to basically his seven years in the Premier League, he averages two goals in his first six Premier League games, and I think this was his sixth because obviously he missed um, he missed the City game. Yeah. Um, so 
he's on track to start banging men now because he's always there or thereabouts on top scorer. Yeah, he's a slow star. He's a slow star. He's sluggish. Um, and this is why he should never start the Champions League because he'd come back from injury and slow start. But, but, but that's that's gone. We've got to let Pochera go. We've got to let that go, even though it burdens me every time I think about it. But yeah, he's a slow starter. So maybe he will find his feet. And hey, we will finish top four and win a trophy. So there you go. But then we'd be stuck with Nuno. <laughs> well, we deserve, we deserve yeah, it then. Yeah, no, that's true. That is true. But yeah, hey. I mean, Eternal Optimist says that and um, Realist says um, mid-table. But hey, the sun always shines on the Shelf Side podcast. Carl, it's been brilliant. Thank you for joining us on short notice and for giving your interesting <laughs> intellectual and... I think from the heart views and I like some of those views definitely um, I'm not sure about Levy in I'll be honest however everybody's entitled to their opinion didn't you see the AJ fight that's that's Levy in in action that's Levy the property manager not the football chairman though it's, it's all the same thing and AJ lost it's Tottenham what do you expect <laughs> exactly exactly I think his DNA at Spurs is one of a losing club um, and I think it comes from the top so maybe maybe it's time to pass over the keys to somebody who wants to spend a bit more on success I'm not saying Man City or Chelsea but just a bit of investment and maybe your man Poch would not have had to leave he would have got the rebuild he wanted um, hindsight's a wonderful thing very true very true but we're going to leave it there and I'm just going to say at this point again thank you for joining it's been a pleasure we'll get you back on soon we'll discuss more about the Levy um, after a few defeats I'm sure that'll be interesting and um, all that is left to say is guys you know where we are on Twitter follow us at the Shelf Pod I've not been on there much this week so apologies but hit us up Tell us your news and views. Um, Spurs Point at True Spurs. You guys hit us up on a regular basis. We like it. We love the interaction. Um, keep doing it. And guys, do all those things podcasters tell you to do. Like, subscribe, follow, whatever it is. Click that button. Make sure you do it. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Um, we are here. And if you are on iTunes, please leave a five-star review because as Kwabna says we only give you five star content so please get that done for us it helps us we don't get paid for this we do it for the love it would be nice to get a few shekels in our wallets although Kwabna's already got all of those already obviously he's travelled to a percent of the world and counting um, so it's good night from me and it's good night from me Lero please bro run the outro Side, with the show side, with the show side, with the show side, talking and...